0: Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. We would love for you to stand with us if you're able and let's sing together.
1: How's everyone doing? Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. Would you agree with me that Jesus Christ is the single greatest name in all of time and in all of history? Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, that was weak. Okay. Would you agree that Jesus is the greatest name that anyone could hear right now? Amen. Amen. <laughs> How about you? We were when, it, when that song said about one day I'm going to tell my story to all the saints in glory. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, by the way. Um. But I'm, I'm pumped for what God has prepared for me as a person p- prepared for, him, uh, for us as his church uh, through the redemption of his son. And because of Jesus, all things can be made new. And we're so thankful for that so thankful for his grace and the message of salvation. So we pray for salvation today. We pray for life change today, and I hope that you are prepared uh, to, for that to happen. Uh, for every single one of us in this room, God has something incredible for us today, and I, I truly believe that uh, we can be the awesome people that God wants us to be as his church. So I, I'm glad you're here today. I, I hope you're excited and ready to praise again. We're gonna, I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're going to ask God to anoint our service. All right, let's pray. Lord, I love you. And again, I'm so thankful for the message of grace and, and, and the gospel, God. I'm so thankful for, uh, for your son Jesus and for the cross um, and for his resurrection, God. I'm so thankful for salvation and what you did for us, God. And yeah, we have a story. We have a story that we're going to be able to live out for all eternity, God. But I pray that it's our prayer that when we wake up here in this place that we're prepared to tell our story for the, to those around us, to our family, to our friends, because that's the name that needs to be heard. That's the name that can truly save them, God. So give us a passion. Give us the diligence to keep pressing on and sharing your truth, God, because it's that truth that will set people free. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for this place. I'm so thankful for my pastor and the word that's about to be preached, God. I pray for our open hearts, open minds, and again, God, you create in us a, a new heart and help us to be the people that you want us to be. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
2: desperate and to the defeated, to the common, the average, the plain and the small, I want you to know you matter to God. To the washed up and the worn out, to the helpless and the hopeless, to the cast outs, the dropouts, the last picks and hypocrites, to the unimpressive and the underwhelming, to the nobodies and has-beens, to people just like me you matter to God. You are not defined by your worst days or your biggest mistakes. And you are not the sum total of all your setbacks, slip ups, failures, and faults. Because who you are is not determined by what you have, where you've been, or what you've done, but who Jesus declares you to be. You matter to God. Maybe at some point somebody told you something that simply wasn't true. That you're nothing but unworthy, unwanted, and unloved but I want the loudest voice in your ear to be the voice that breaks the cedars and shakes the wilderness, and he says, you matter to me. Before the galaxies were born, or the first star gave light, before the ocean waves crashed, or the night sky cracked with thunder, before any creature crawled or any bird sang, before the planets were set in motion, he set in motion the plan of your salvation. From the highest heights of heaven, the Lord of all creation, looked upon your desperation he became like one of us to remake all of us to make an orphan his child to make a rebel his friend to set the prisoner free you matter to God so to all the sons and daughters of God to all my brothers and sisters in Christ behold his power and glory and majesty behold the one who matters most
3: Welcome in. I was lost but he brought
0: Our affection, our devotion to you, God, because there is no one like you and you alone are worthy of our praise. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the opportunity just to gather together as a family of believers and proclaim this morning that we love you, that we believe in you, and that we want to follow you with our lives thankful that we can come together and cry out to you as well. Because I know that there are people here this morning who have had just a a week full of disappointment and discouragement and they need a touch from you. They need to be reminded that they matter to you. We're so thankful for that, God. I pray a special anointing on Brother Will as he brings the pray that you would just speak it right into our hearts and that our hearts would be motivated to chase after you and just to be more like you every day. In Jesus' name I pray.
4: Thank you, Praise Team. Give them a big hand, would you? They do a great job. Appreciate them so much. And, and what, what I'm appreciative of more than anything is the Lord's in this place today. And uh, all week my prayer has been, Lord, I pray that we'd have a lot of people at church, but most importantly, I pray that you'd be there. And uh, he is here today doing, doing a, a wondrous work in our lives. Well, have you, anybody in here ever been to just a little country church out in the middle of nowhere, a little you know what I'm talking about when I say country church? Out in West Texas, there's a little country church, kind of a community out there. and People from all around, 50-mile radius, would come to this church on Sundays and They'd get there early and, and they'd have service. Sometimes they'd stay and eat lunch together. And it, it, was, it was kind of more than just going to church. It was kind of a, a community event because these people hadn't seen each other all week. And they would come early on Sunday morning. Some would be sitting in their pews. Others would be moving around. They'd be visiting, talking about life. and family and politics and what was happening in the community and what was happening in the world at large. And and that was going on one Sunday morning. It was getting really close to start time. And all of a sudden, right down at the front, at the altar, in front of the pulpit, Satan appeared in flesh. Satan was standing there. And it just scared the daylight out of everybody in that building. And they were trampling over each other, trying to get out the front door, which was the only door there was. And soon everyone was gone from the building because the incarnate evil was standing in front of them. That is, but one old man, one old fellow was sitting in the back in his pew seemingly oblivious to incarnate evil that was in their presence. And it irritated the devil that one man was still in there. And so the devil pranced back to where this man was and said, don't you know who I am? And the man said, yep, sure do. Well, aren't you afraid of me? No, I'm sure not. Perplexed by this, the devil said, and why aren't you afraid of me? To which the old man replied, Done been married to your wife 48 years. <laughs> now, they laughed more in the first service. So come on, guys, isn't that funny? I, I really guess it all has to do with your perspective, right? I've been in a series on Satan or the devil and demonology, and today we're coming to the end of that series. We're going to talk about the devil's obituary this morning what we've discovered so far is the origin of the devil. Just who is the devil and where he came from. Originally created by God as a good and powerful angel, his name was called Lucifer. He was full of wisdom and the model of perfection. He was the star of the morning. He was a guardian angel who guarded the throne of God until, as the Bible says, wickedness was found in him. And with pride and jealousy, he declared, I will raise my throne above that of God. And he led one third of heaven's angels in a revolt against Jehovah God. They were thrown out of heaven down to the earth where they have spread their revolt to all mankind. Then we looked at Satan's objective. That is, what does he really want to accomplish in world history? And we discovered that he has had three objectives, the first two having failed. Objective number one, dethrone God. Literally, the devil wanted to sit on the throne of the universe. He wanted to sit on God's throne. Well, we know that he failed in that attempt, was cast out of heaven down to earth, where he instituted objective number two, and that was to destroy the Messiah. Last week we looked at Revelation chapter 12. It tells us of a a lady, a baby, and a mean red dragon. Well, that lady was Israel, or we could see that lady as Mary. The baby is none other than Jesus, our Messiah. And at Jesus' birth, that red dragon was there to destroy and devour the man of God, the man-child, Jesus Christ. But you know what? He failed in that attempt as well. And now he's working on objective number three. He knows that he is condemned to hell, and so he is trying to take as many people with him to hell as he possibly can. Now, guys, that's something you need to wake up and realize. The devil is not your friend. He is your enemy. He hates you. He wants to destroy you and your family. He has been condemned to the lake of fire hell and brimstone and he wants to take you your family your kids your grandkids with him to spend eternity in the lake of fire that is his objective as of today we've also discovered satan's operation we we've looked at just how the devil works in our universe and in history and we saw that he operates in at least four areas or four zones The first being heavenly places. The Bible tells us that on a daily basis, the devil is at the throne of God making accusations against you both day and night. Secondly, he works in international politics. I honestly believe that he is behind every evil and all of the turmoil that we have in our world today. Number three, the devil works in unbelievers. The Bible tells us specifically, he blinds their minds. And once he has blinded them, he bites them, and his venom is deadly. The fourth zone that he works in is amongst believers. He tempts us, and he troubles us in a multitude of ways. We discovered that our protection against the devil is in the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, that is our only salvation. That is our only protection. And the Bible tells us that when the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives, those temptations that the devil hurls our way are repelled by the blood of Jesus. So more than anything today, you need to claim the blood of Jesus in your life. You need to be covered with the blood of Jesus. And then we are to resist the devil draw near to God, and when we draw close to God and say no to the devil, the Bible tells us he will leave us alone. And then we put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all, the Bible says, we keep standing. And when temptation comes our way, we are to take that one way of escape that God has given us. Well, this morning I'd like to finish this series by sharing with you Satan's obituary. Now, I read obituaries all the time, and, and there's, there's a sense of sadness when I read a person's obituary. Their entire life, no matter however long it's been, 20 years, 50 years, 92 years, is, is condensed down to a paragraph or two that appears in the newspaper, and it, it's kind of sad to read an obituary. But when I read the devil's obituary, I kind of get excited. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's getting what's coming to him. All right, and so today we're going to look at the devil's obituary, how it's all going to end for him. The eternal condemnation of Satan really is a twofold process, just as it is with any criminal. If you were to attend a murder trial, you may see a man stand before the judge to be sentenced. But the execution is yet to occur. Brother Danny, you know this. You see it all the time. There is a gap between the sentencing and the execution. And so it is with Satan. He has been condemned. He has yet to be executed. There was a specific moment in world history when the devil was defeated. But there is going to be a specific moment in the future when the devil is going to be destroyed. That's awesome. Now, I, I want to read a lengthy passage to you today, but Jason, here's the deal with this passage. Even though it's 15 verses, it's one of those wow passages. You, know? you, you read it, and you're just saying the whole time, wow, wow. And so if you want to say wow while I'm reading you, you can do it. It's Revelation chapter 20, the whole chapter beginning in verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and this great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon. Remember last week, Revelation 12, that angry red dragon? Same one. He is the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for 1,000 years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit And he shut him up, and he set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for just a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and the judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image. And can I just pause right there? Guys, it's never good to worship the beast. It's never good to give in to the temptations of the devil. Your eternal destiny is dependent upon it. So here are these who have never worshipped the beast or his image. They had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for that 1,000 years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him one thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. Together them together to battle. Whose number is as the sand of the seas. They went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints. And the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them... "...was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take this passage and, and just speak it into our hearts. Lord, as I attempt to speak on the outside, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak on the inside. And I pray, dear Lord, that everyone in this room and all who are listening online know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they don't spend eternity in this lake of fire and torment. Help us, dear Lord, to take the way of escape today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Or wow, wow. Today I want to talk to you about Satan's obituary, and there are two things in his obituary. First, his defeat, and then secondly, his destruction. Satan's defeat was first predicted way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Right there in the Garden of Eden, when the devil came in, slithered in and tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned and they fell from the grace of God. It was at that moment, Genesis 3:15, that God promised he was going to send a redeemer who would crush the head of the serpent. Now, that, that is a great concept to have in our head. God promised, I am going to send salvation. I am going to send a redeemer who is going to destroy the works of the devil. And when Jesus came, he announced that he himself would be the one who would finally, once and for all, defeat Satan. I want to read about this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. This is exactly what John wrote. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. And and, and you're a little bit confused. You're thinking, well, preacher, I thought Jesus came to provide salvation. Jesus came to shed his blood on the cross so that we could be saved from our sins. That's why Jesus came. Amen." Amen? But don't you see these two things go together? Our salvation and destroying the works of the devil are the same thing. Jesus came to defeat and destroy the devil who's trying to drag you into hell. And the only way that you're going to be stopped from going to hell, the only way is through God's salvation in Jesus Christ. His blood is your only salvation. Jesus anticipated his work on the cross when he said this in John's Gospel chapter 12. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. In other words, by his crucifixion, Christ promised to do two things. To drive and to draw. He is going to drive out the devil... And as he drove out the devil, he was going to draw all men unto himself. In John chapter 16, verse 11, on the night before his crucifixion, here's what Jesus said. The prince of this world now stands condemned. Satan stood before the cross of Jesus Christ like a prisoner standing before the judge's bench to be condemned and sentenced. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul explained that by his crucifixion, Jesus Christ plundered Satan's power. So so let me read Colossians 2. It's kind of a difficult passage, but you are smart people. You're going to get it. Here's what Paul said. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a life together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And that's huge. This is you before Jesus. You're lost in trespasses and sins. You have no hope. You're already condemned. You know what you have to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. You stand condemned before God. But God has provided a way of salvation. God has done that for you. Why? He has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross, he nailed your condemnation to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So the actual defeat, the condemnation of Satan, happened at Calvary's cross. Why did the crucifixion of Christ crush and conquer the devil? What was it about the cross which plundered Satan of all of his power? Well, this passage in Colossians chapter 2 tells us that Christ disarmed the principalities and powers of darkness. So if you're going to disarm someone, what do you do? You strip them of their weapons, and you rob them of their power. Let me ask you, have have you ever just kind of processed in your mind what you would do if somebody came towards you to attack you? Maybe they had a knife, maybe they had a gun, and you knew they were coming towards you to do harm. Have you contemplated, thought it through, what you were going to do if that happened. Anybody, raise your hand if you've thought of that. Raise your hand. Leave it up for a second. You've actually thought of that, okay? Several, the rest of you, what have you been doing with all your time, man? <laughs> I mean, do, you need a plan because in this crazy world, Danny shoe prosecutor, it could happen. Somebody could come to you to attack you. What in the world would you do? We've thought about it, haven't we? I've thought about it in here. What, Man, what what in the world would I do if somebody came in here to, to attack me while I'm preaching? Well, I've got, I've got some good marksmen out in the congregation. I think they would probably take care of them. They might miss or ricochet and kill me. But you know what? It, it could Anything could happen. But I've thought, what would I do? Eric, what would I do if somebody came towards me with a knife to do me harm? What would I do? Gary, I've thought about it. I, I really think... I would revert back to my college days back in the 1970s when I took taekwondo. That's what I'm counting on, that I would just, everything that I learned would just kind of, you know, and I would have this moment, you know, and I would remember everything that Sung Lee, my taekwondo instructor, taught me. What would I do? Spin move, roundhouse kick, karate chop, and then a side kick. There it is, right there, man. (laughs) There it is. That's about as good as I can do. But I know if that happened, that leg would be up there, man. Right in the chest, and then go through the wall. Woo! At least I have a plan. <laughs> Having a plan is, is, is half the battle right there. You need you a plan. Well, you know what? Here's the deal. Satan comes to us, and he is armed with two terrible weapons. His weapons are sin and death. He entices us to sin, and sin brings with it the death sentence. Look, look on the board. The Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. The apostle Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death. James wrote, sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Sin and death are the one-two punch of the devil. These are his weapons. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, he disarmed Satan of these two terrible weapons. In fact, the Bible says he made a public spectacle of them. His death provided eternal life, and it gave us victory over death, hell, and the grave. How about a big amen for that? It's awesome. It kind of reminds me of the Old Testament story of David when he was a a boy, And, and he went down into the valley to fight Goliath the giant. Remember that? He was only armed with a slingshot and a bag of rocks. But he took that rock and he sunk it into the forehead of Goliath the giant. The the, the giant fell. And then David went over to Goliath and pulled out the giant's own sword. And with the giant's sword, David chopped off his head. Jesus Christ used Satan's weapon, death, to defeat him. Satan was defeated at Calvary and at the garden tomb. He is defeated, but he is not yet destroyed. He has been sentenced, but that sentence has not yet been executed. And that brings me to my second point, Satan's destruction. Now, Satan's destruction is going to occur at the end of this age. Jesus explained this in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus said that hell was an eternal lake of fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, let me just pause right there. God did not create hell for you. Hell was originally created for the devil and his angels. And the devil knows he's going to spend eternity there. And so he's trying to drag you into hell with him. Satan has been sentenced to hell. And the sentence will be carried out on the day when he has cast head first into this lake of fire. Let me go back and read it to you from the Word of God. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then shall he say to them on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There it is right there. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But you know what? If you don't accept God's plan of salvation you're going to spend eternity there with him in the lake of fire. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. It gives us this final word on the devil. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you know how long that is? I can't imagine it, and I certainly cannot imagine nor comprehend that tormented, the word that he used. You're going to be tormented forever and ever. Now, I have burned my hand before, burned my foot, and it it hurts, but can you imagine that? Try to imagine that. You're in a lake of fire burning, but you never burn up in excruciating pain that never ceases. And it never ends. It goes on forever and ever and ever. That is Satan's obituary. That eternal lake of fire was made for him. He's going to spend eternity there. I've put this on the board. Look at it. He has been defeated. He will be destroyed. He has been sentenced. He will be executed. His defeat occurred at the cross of Christ. His destruction will occur at the final judgment. Now, church, it's really interesting to note this. The devil doesn't appear in the first two chapters of the Bible, nor is he found in the last two chapters of the Bible. That's pretty cool. By the time you get to the last two chapters of the Bible, he, the devil is out of business. <laughs> He's a defeated enemy. But that means he's also a very dangerous foe. No enemy is more dangerous than the one already defeated. Why? Because they have nothing to lose. Did y'all watch Arkansas last night going to overtime? I don't know if they said it one time or a hundred times. Well, Coach O, LSU coach, he's not, he's not afraid. He, he knows that this season he's gone, so he's already told his players and his coaching staff, we're going for it all. So every fourth down they went for it. Why? Because they didn't have anything to lose. And the devil goes for it every fourth down because he has nothing to lose. Boy, you do. I tell you, the devil will stop at nothing to mess up your life, to mess up your home, to mess up your children, your morals, your spiritual life. The Bible tells us he tricks us and then he traps us. He blinds us, and then he bites us. He devastates us, and then he destroys us. He is pulling as many people into hell with him as he possibly can. Don't let it happen to you. I want to show you a famous painting I don't know exactly when this thing was painted. I think sometime in the late 1700s. It's entitled Checkmate. How many of you all out there play chess? Raise your hand real high if you play chess. Okay, there's a few of you. Checkers, yeah, come on, checkers. We, we know checkers. I'm, I'm not a chess player. But here, here's this portrait painted named Checkmate. you got the devil on the left. You've got a young man on the right angel sympathetically watching. What's happened here is the devil has checkmated this young man and he has absolutely no move. He's, he's done for. I mean, you, you can almost see it in his expression, his, his pale countenance. He, he has no hope. He has no future. He's been done in by the devil and this ain't even in Georgia. <laughs> Legend is this portrait, this painting, I know this is true, has hung in some of the most famous museums in history. Legend is chess players would find it and they would go and look at it and try to figure out from the, the, the placement of these pieces whether or not this young man could get out of the predicament he was in. And nobody could figure out an escape. He's done for. He's checkmated. Until the late 1800s, when the world champion, undefeated chess player, Paul Morphy from New Orleans, first saw the portrait. Legend has it that Paul Morphy studied it intently for hours. He was so engrossed in what was happening on that chessboard that that he looked at it from all angles. They said that he would take his hand and, and act as if he were moving different pieces. He would study it, contemplate it. He was engrossed in it. He would go from one angle to another angle looking at it, and after hours of doing that, he finally said out loud, because he was so into this, he said out loud, there is one move. There is a way out. Make that move, young man. You know what? It took the master to figure out the move. I don't know, maybe the devil has stumped your life up. Maybe the devil today has trapped you. Perhaps the devil has you checkmated and you feel like your life is over. It's it's empty. There's nothing left. There's no hope. There is a way. But it's going to take the master to show you the way. Bottom line, look at me, everybody. The devil's not your friend. He wants to drag you into hell, a lake of fire, where you will be tormented forever. Don't fall for his ploy. Don't fall into his temptation. Understand that your only move is in Jesus Christ. You need to accept God's plan of salvation. You need the blood of Jesus to cover your life and forgive you. You need your name. Remember our passage, Revelation 20? You need your name written in that big book, the book of life. And the only people who have their name in the book of life are born-again believers. The best decision that you can make today is I'm going to trust Jesus that I'm going to accept God's plan of salvation. We, we say it's as simple as a, B, C. a, admit that you're a sinner. You are. B, believe Jesus is the only one who can save you. He is. And then confess him with your mouth. Most important thing for you to do today, balcony people, online people, those of you on the floor, is make sure you're right with Jesus. Don't let there be any doubt in your mind. If you were to die right now, Where would you spend eternity? If there is a question or a doubt, we need to talk at the altar. Because you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven. Most important thing, make sure. You make sure you're on your way to heaven. Second most important thing is, you know, God has given you a family. You've got kids and grandkids. You you need to make sure they're going to heaven. You need to do everything you can to influence them to follow Jesus. You need to be praying for their salvation. God gave them to you. Your responsibility. Love them enough to pray for them. I told first service, I'm going to try to amend this story a little bit, but I told first service yesterday we were in Dallas at Whitney's house because Ella Jane had her three-year-old birthday party. She turned three. Actually, she turned three on Thursday, but we had the party yesterday, and it was mom, dad went down for it. It was a big event. She had little friends there. Bubby was beating them all up, but anyway, she, that's another story. Big celebration, birthday party. gave gave her all the gifts. She was so excited. Uh, Angie and I hit it out of the park, home run with the gift we gave her. It's not like we we're in competition with the other grandparents or anything. All right, no. <laughs> here's the highlight of the day. We get up early Saturday morning. Whitney's got all kinds of stuff to do because uh, the party's about to happen, and, and she kind of needs Ella Jane out of there to make it happen. So she said, Dad, could, would, you, would you take Ella Jane to breakfast? Just you and Ella Jane. Go to McDonald's. Said, I'd love to. So I loaded up a little Ella Jane. She was in her donut pajamas, had her, had her little puffy pink jacket on, and, and uh, had Otis in tow and a new little backpack she got, and so we drove to McDonald's, went in, had a marvelous breakfast. She had a little sausage biscuit, and I gave her some of my pancakes. And man, just constant conversation. That kid didn't shut up the whole time. I mean, she was just talking to me, and I was eating it up. And we were we were having a wonderful, wonderful day. It was great. I sure love that little girl. She said, Poe, you're so handsome. <laughs> it's not, not, even, not even prompted. Poe, you're so handsome. I love that girl. Billy, I love her. I'd do anything for that little girl. I would die for my little babies. You know what? God has called me to do more than die for them. He has called me to live for them and to pray for them. They're my responsibility. They're my grandbabies. And if anybody is going to pray a hedge of protection around them, Freddie, who's it going to be? It's got to be me. They're my babies, and I love them. So I'm going to pray for them every day. You know, I I can't even imagine what they're going to face when they get in junior high and high school, but you know what? They're going to have, if, I, if I'm still alive, they're going to have a Poe praying for them. You know what? I'm going to live for them, Jason. I'm, I'm going to live my life in such a way as they see Jesus in their granddad and, and that I have something so alive and so exciting that they want a little bit of what I have, and that's Jesus. And I'm going to love on them as much as I can and share the good news of the gospel with them. Why? Because I love them and I do not want them in hell. Now guys, that's all you can do. But you better be doing that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to do the right thing today. For those who need to come and receive your gift of salvation, I pray that they would do it without hesitation lord there's somebody in this room that they're unsure about their standing with you they're they're not quite for sure where they're going to spend eternity lord i pray that before they leave this place today they would make sure they know where they're going to spend eternity then for all of us who have family who have kids grandkids maybe parents aunts and uncles cousins that we know are lost I pray, dear Lord, that we would fill up the front of this room today and cry out for them and pray for them. Pray hedges of protection around them. Pray salvation for them. Pray that you would send people into their life to witness to them. Pray that we would be a model of Christianity for them. Then, dear Lord, for those who are just struggling with life, I pray that they would have the freedom today and come and pray to you. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. If you'd like to come and pray, now's the time. salvation. Thank you for your love and mercy. I pray, dear Lord, that every one of us would live our lives in such a way as to bring praise, honor, and glory to you and lead others close to you. Dear Jesus, bless our families. I pray a hedge of protection around my kids and my family. And I pray that Angie and I would be such an influence and a witness to them that they would want to serve Jesus. Bless our church. Help us to reach people and see the kingdom of God grow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated just for a moment. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, hey, thanks for letting me preach, man. I, I love to preach, and, uh, and, and you know what? People are changed through the Word of God. And so let's pray that more people would come and hear and their lives would be changed through the preaching of the Word. When you walk out of the building today, please drop your offering in one of those black boxes, or you can give online, and thank you in advance for your giving. If you're giving to uh, support our Adopt-A-Missionary kid, please do that today and just put AAM on your check. Uh, We have adopted 65 of our foreign missionary kids uh, the children of our missionaries we're going to provide christmas for them along with 20 kids from puerto rico and the church and school there so please give liberally i think look at that man you're you're doing it that's great man just keep giving i really want to blow the i want to blow the 30,000 goal off so that everything you, everything you give goes to these kids so let's really make a great christmas for them Uh, Also, tune in tonight at 6.30. Brother Stacy's going to be teaching our Bible study class that's online. Come on Wednesday night. We have Bible study for uh, all ages. Uh, Great things going on. Be praying for Ken and Debbie Franklin. Uh, Debbie's mother passed away uh, this past week. And uh, right after she died, Ken was in a very bad uh, pickup wreck. And uh, he's still in the hospital. Uh, So pray for Ken and Debbie. That funeral for Catherine is going to be tomorrow at 11 o'clock in Spyro. Also, Rhonda West lost her mother and that funeral is going to be Tuesday at 10 o'clock. So please be praying for them. we got a big baby shower this afternoon. Watts baby. Watts baby. 2 to 4. It's up in room 210, 212. Uh, you ladies come and participate in that. There's going to be great things happening. 209, 210. Sorry. 209, 210. Up there. You can find it. It's where the party's going to be going on, all right? Hey, I I want you to know that your love, people ask me every day, every time we get together, when are we going to be in that new church building? I have absolutely no idea, and uh, I've I've quit speculating. We're getting really close, though, okay? Uh, At any time, on any Sunday morning, you might walk in, and we'll be over there, all right? Let's just pray that it get finished, uh, funded, and filled up with people, all right? God loves you. He has a great plan for your life, so live for him. See ya.